Forgotten Flicks, episode 29. Welcome to Fright Night. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Fright I'm sorry, the Forgotten Flicks podcast. <laughs> I am Joel, joined by the... Hold on, I'm trying to find a good adjective. No, douche nozzle's not nice. Um, gun-toting Jason. I don't even know why. <laughs> And the best part, that's actually how Jason sounded the moment before he hit puberty. (laughs) Good evening, my good friend, Joel. How are you tonight? I am great, man. How are you? I am excited to talk about Fright Night, I must say. Do you want to mention the torture room? Uh, yeah. Um, if you hear screaming in the background or any other blood-curdling cries, I may or may not be next to the door to the torture room, and it may or may not be open tonight, so I'd like to apologize in advance. And if you hear it coming from me, it's... No, that's just me. I just do that. So, yes, tonight we are talking about 1985's Fright Night. Yes. Yes, it was great, great stuff. And uh, I'm not going to go too much deeper into it. It was written and directed by Tom Holland. Uh, before we get into the synopsis uh, and all the good stuff about the movie, we are going to get into some feedback. Um, we have actually quite a decent amount this evening. Um, we will start with our buddy JV. And uh, Jason, did you have any uh, opening remarks before I start the voicemail? Parade. No, I'm I'm excited we got voicemail and specifically excited we got voicemail from JV and uh, another fan of the show coming up. So yes. I'm just excited to hear it tonight. Yep, yep, yep. All right, here we go. Hey guys, you know me, it's JV. I just um was listening to the voicemail feedback things. I just wanted to you know uh, give you a little tip. Whatever you do, do not review the Matthew. Please don't. Whatever you do, don't watch that film. Don't, please don't. All right, you can watch it if you really want to. I mean, it's not that bad until about halfway through. So. Um, if I could save you from anything, I should really only save you from the second half. Mind you, that's also when the story kind of, like, kicks into full gear. So, well, you got to take the good with the bad, basically. Um, there you go. If you want a movie to review from, like, the 70s, review Zardoz. That's Z-A-R-D-O-Z. Yes, I pronounced my Z funny. Watch that movie, review that, and love that. It's got Sean Connery in it. Need I say more? Okay, you don't really know me. Yes, that is our buddy JV. <laughs> and the best thing about JV, 
is the attention to detail. The fact that he did the <laughs> Z and then spelled the rest of it. And, and yes, I pronounced my Zs weird. That was phenomenal, my friend. That was just awesome. Yeah, and you know, he's like 24. <laughs> he, no, actually, he's older than 24. No, that goes back to his tweeting about being a kid. Then. Oh, yeah, anyway, that was long. Glad to hear from you, that, Davey. Please, well, by hold, all means, hold on, call wait. in See, every single time. Yeah, and, and this is when I need the cricket. Not that I would have had any room tonight because my pod producer is completely filled with a lot of voicemail. Jason, now JV's awesome. Next one, equally awesome mm-hmm. from uh, from from someone. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, we know, right, Jason? Uh, I guess yes. Yeah, yeah. Hi guys, this is Meg. Wanted to tell you, love the podcast. Just listen to Chris Hanger. And I have to admit that Peter is my new hero. I've been living for 30-plus years with this inner hatred of John Lithgow, and I could never place why. Because, you know, in Third Rock, he, he was pretty funny, not a big fan of the movies. But then it occurred to me as I was watching Cliffhanger with my darling husband last week, I, I know why I don't like him and why he gives me this creepy, crawly feeling on the inside. When I was a small child, my sister used to force me to watch amazing stories, and the show scared the crap out of me. Every single one, even the ones that weren't scary, they scared me. I was, I was like six. So the only, only episode of Amazing Stories that I remember to this day is the one with the dolls, the creepy dolls, and, and the German guy, and and John Lisko. Just I I can't even talk about it anymore because it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. I'll keep listening. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you, Meg. And I have to be honest. I totally thought you were going to say he creeped you out because he reminded you of Jason. But. <laughs> Um, and of course, I had to, there was actually a, a little bit more to her her voicemail. She pointed out that I may, in fact, have some oh I don't know jealousy issues um, <laughs> that are follically related um, because of maybe a comment I might have said in a insensitive sort of way in a previous show regarding women in short hair. But that was you know <laughs> I. I, I'm not even going to attempt to backtrack at this point because I'm just going to make it far, far worse. So to your point, Meg. <laughs> Give you, you a shovel. Me. Let you dig your own. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So speaking of her new hero, our boy Peter called NJ, and here he is. Oh. Hi, it's Peter calling in again. And uh, welcome to uh, Fright Night. How awesome is that? Uh, I mean, I, there's no limit to the awesomeness in this movie. I, I, I'm thrilled that you're doing an episode of this. So, um, the, no, I, I just wanted to state that. Okay? Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> I wonder... Peter, you are the number one fan of this show in the entire Eastern Hemisphere. I just got to say that. Entire Eastern. He may, in fact, be the only. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, do you think Peter likes Fright Night? I don't think so. <laughs> Sounds like he's kind of a Fairweather fan, but, I, yeah, you know. Yeah. 
Whatever. Just kidding, Peter. Don't kill Jason. And uh, <laughs> please don't. Please, please don't. Yeah, please don't. Now, our final um, piece of voicemail feedback. <clears throat> Jason, wow, we have four. We have God. Four. We've never had more than. Yeah, this last uh, one though. Uh, I'm trying to figure out a sensitive way to put this. Well, I really feel like the only way to um, reveal it is to just reveal it. Joe, my name is Savannah, and I'm from Savannah, and I'm president of the local KFFL club. That's the Jason Fan for Life Club. Well, Joe, me, me and my constituents, we're just so upset that you would refer to the handsome and intelligent Jason as as chimp-like. You know what? I personally have about a thousand pictures of Jason on my bedroom wall, and and not one of them is he picking bugs out of someone else's hair or eating a banana or using a stick to fish for termites. You know what? We here at the Savannah JSSL Club demand that you apologize to Jason and to his fans. We demand it now. Okay. <laughs> I, w- I want to say, Jason... Um, I, this is, this is what I'd like, I'd like to say to convey how I, how I really feel about you and, and this situation. <laughs> oh, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> yeah. Um, not going to happen. Hey, you Savannah. have, you have awakened the beast, my friend. <laughs> I don't know what I find the, the most disturbing about the phone call. The... <laughs> Thousands of pictures of you on someone's <laughs> wall. You know what, though? The truth is, I'm quite positive that somewhere out there, there actually is a picture of me digging for termites with a stick. But, well, I was uh, going to say, she said she, she you, okay, let's see, well, let's cover this. You, you're not chimp like because it has nothing to do with, you know, the copious amounts of hair covering your body. It has to do with the fact that you uh, were never picking bugs out of anyone else's hair. I don't at least according uh, to bananas. the pictures, yeah, yep. eating bananas or uh, using a stick to fish for termites. One she didn't point out. I like I like to just make this point: the one where you were picking at your own butt, smelled your fingers, and fell back. Uh, does anybody remember that clip that was like on Talk Soup? It was on YouTube for a long time. Yeah, wasn't well, it? I something like that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I smelled yeah. his fingers and fell. Anyway, yeah, there's All no. All say is major shout outs to the JFFL. Stay strong. Sister. So she said to apologize to your fan. All right. So I will apologize to your fan by saying I'm sorry you're a fan of Jason. (laughs) I take what I can get. Yeah, well, apparently. So (laughs) that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, so um, uh, let us commence then with the Fright Night talk. Yes, Fright Night, directed uh, and written by Tom Holland. And honestly, I'm not going to go into his filmography because it might have something to do with our six picks this evening. So uh, I will point out that he did write Cloak and Dagger and I believe Psycho 2. Uh, mm-hmm. We did our Cloak and Dagger uh, episode a while back. It starred Chris Sarandon as the uh, great vampire. Uh, spoiler alert. Jerry Dandridge. William Ragsdale is Charlie Brewster. Amanda Bierce, Marcy Darcy from Mary with Children, uh, as Amy uh, Peterson, uh, Charlie's 
um, I don't even know, molested girlfriend? Was that what we should call her? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the interesting and scene-devouring Stephen Jeffries, who plays mm-hmm. evil Ed Thompson, and the late, great, sorely missed, one of the greatest actors and, from all accounts, people that ever trod this misbegotten ground. I don't even know what the hell I'm saying at this point. Roddy McDowell played Peter Vincent, Vampire Hunter. And he is uh, the horror host uh, that hosts the show Fright Night within the movie. Mm -hmm. So, Jason, uh, with that, I'll have you, uh, if you'd like to go into your synopsis. But first, of course, Jason, first, of course, we must (laughs) throw out a little little warning to the folks if they're new to the show. Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. Huh. We really need to get you doing one of those evil ed. <laughs> you know, I swear he drives off in that little Urkel car. <laughs> you know, the one you get in from the front, you open yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I do um, that? <laughs> Do we get a trailer tonight? Oh, burn! <laughs> yes, we do. Completely <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah. Snap. Okay, so out of order. I'm not replaying the spoiler alert. Here is the trailer for Fright Night. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door? was occupied by something not human. Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant... It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. Fright Night. If you love being scared, this could be the night of your life. Booyah! (laughs) Yes, I had to truncate that trailer because unfortunately it was one of those with the 30-second span of the, you know, rousing music and amazing visuals that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't really translate to a podcast. So, Jason, on that yeah. note, would you like to now uh, bless us with one of your synopses? <laughs> yeah, not that I don't think my synopsis is better than the movie trailer, but I don't have as good background music. No, that's true. So. true, true enough, true enough. Yeah. So, yes, Fright Night. It's the story of a young man uh, by the name of Charlie Brewster. And he is a fan of the movie or the TV show Fright Night, which is hosted by, as you mentioned, Roddy McDowell. Uh, character's name is Peter Vincent, and he hosts this show. It's a you know horror host TV show with these B movie vampire movies, and apparently the show is all about vampires. And one night, young Mister Brewster is in his bedroom alone with his 
girlfriend of what a year and a half he said they were dating Mm -hmm. uh played by amanda beers amy and amy and he are uh, necking bumping uglies (laughs) and (laughs) not yet oh no they're kind of necking he gets a little aggressive uh and she's like stop it charlie and he's like that's all you ever say and i'm thinking wow this is going to turn into an after school special like pretty quick (laughs) but then you know she kind of he backs away goes to the window and looks pensive out the window and she goes over to the bed and she decides she's going to let him get to first third base base. (laughs) first base but while she starts to disrobe on the bed He's looking out the window, and all of a sudden he sees people carrying a coffin into the cellar door of the house next door to his, and thus kicks off his belief that something strange is going on next door. And through the course of events, he, his good friend, acquaintance, casual friend… The way he treats him – it's kind of like how I treat you, but the way he treats him, (laughs) you'd wonder, right? Yeah, evil. He calls him evil, um, Ed, mm-hmm. evil Ed, mm-hmm. and yeah, he kind of treats him like he's a, yeah, like kind of like he's a little <laughs> tag along. I don't know. I don't, don't want to. I'm trying to keep it NC-17 here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he kind of treats him like like an ass. He, he doesn't really like him. It's almost like he everything kinda, you say needs you know, him. Being being that we know that little issue of somebody's filmography, it's almost like everything you say. I could go in so many wrong directions with it. It's awesome. I know, that's why I'm stop trying to hold back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to hold back anymore. Yeah, anyway, so Charlie's basically is being a jerk. Yeah. But Ed is his little sidekick uh, who is kind of a ne'er-do-well at school and uh, an outcast, wears the army jacket, um, kind of the low life of the high school. And he tries to, at one point, it's not really a spoiler, but at one point... Charlie realizes that the guy that moved in next door is a vampire because mm-hmm. all of these women start disappearing, and he sees in on the, the news the that these women have been murdered and disappeared, and he's seen a couple of them in the house next oh, he, door. He saw more than a you know what I'm saying? a pair in the house next door because at one point one of the ladies is in there. And the main vampire, um, Mr. Dendridge, who's played by Chris Sarandon, has the window open, <laughs> the, yeah. the curtains pulled apart, and he's standing right up to the window, disrobing a woman, and then looks surprised when yeah, someone yeah. sees him. <gasps> you pervert. You were looking at – and then he kind of draws the curtain. So, yeah. So uh, Charlie realizes, hey, this is a vampire. Of course, nobody believes him because this is current day, and there's no such thing as vampires, and nobody listens to him. You watch too much TV, kid. Mm-hmm. Well, his last hope is the host of his favorite TV show, mm-hmm. Peter Vincent, Vampire Killer. And so he seeks him out at these what pseudo-Hollywood studio kind of place, the local free cable network studio um and tries to get him to help he's just been fired however from his tv show because you young kids want to watch slasher flicks with men in masks who hack up young girls and yeah so he's bitter and of course peter vincent is not really a vampire killer he is just uh, this kind of sniveling old man who has milked this entire career and now has no job so at one point amanda beers 
Amy, his girlfriend, and Evil Ed decide that, hey, Charlie's off his rocker. He's a little crazy now because now he wants to go kill the guy next door. We need to go get somebody to snap him out of this. So they also go to Peter Vincent and say, hey, we'll give you 500 bucks if you just pretend that this is real and go in there, say, hey, he's not a vampire, and then we're all good. Well, then at that point, he's hard up for money. Peter Vincent says, all right, I'll take it. They go next door, and they try to prove to Charlie that the vampires well, are and, real. And then, of course, you, you may want to add the little caveat that – and we've already given the spoiler alert, so I'm not worried about it the, – the fact that they – coordinate with jerry dandridge to let him know what they're up to so that he'll uh, take part in it and you know that oh we're not gonna really use holy waters it's gonna be because you know it's gonna be tap water yeah, yeah and, and yeah. jerry dandridge tells him he's a born-again christian so he doesn't want any crosses used because it offends him blah 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 yeah. yeah yeah exactly so they basically call the guy thinking that he's a normal guy and say listen this kid's got problems we want to help him out kind of thing and can you play along with and he's like sure i'll play along blah 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 <laughs> he, he sounded like the count from and, Sesame Street. <laughs> One, two, three. Ah, ah, ah. Exactly. Every vampire is the count. Um, <laughs> and so he decides to play along, but at the very end, something happens that maybe tweaks Peter Vincent a little to make him believe, and uh, thus leads us into the finale, which gets yes. this big, exciting ending yes. of battle with the evil vampires. Um where, and, where, and where, so, so, wherein Evil Ed gets to say, <laughs> "Good finish, Jason. <laughs> I can't get my voice that high. You can. <laughs> I've got the falsetto. <laughs> yes. La, 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 and so la. at the point, spoiler, Evil Ed is incorporated into the forces of evil by being. Well, that's uh, ironic. His name was Evil, and he becomes Evil. Ah! You didn't see that coming? Oh my God, he saw that coming. Oh, oh God, that was so Next, next so you're going to tell me his girlfriend ends up in danger, and he's got to save her. Oh, come on. <laughs> that never happens in these movies. Yeah, and so um, that they basically go and... Charlie and Peter Vincent and have to save the girl from this big evil vampire and named um, Al Bundy. I won't tell you how it ends. Yeah. To save her from Al Bundy. Yeah, save her from Al Bundy. <laughs> yeah. So that is the synopsis in its wow. purest. Nice, Jay. That only took like twelve and a half minutes. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. It was actually it was actually only like eleven. So oh. nah. um yes, Fright Night. Let's see, where shall I where shall I begin? I'll begin at the beginning. This is one of those flicks that I told the story before, and I know I've told you ad nauseum. I've probably told you like 18 times because I just know how much <laughs> you love hearing my stories. Uh, but, it gives me uh, something to talk to my therapist about. Uh-huh. Of course it does. <laughs> the Critters um, slash Creepers fiasco when I was like eight or nine years old. Remember I told you about that? I think I touched mm-hmm. on the uh, podcast as well. Uh, long story short, for anyone new who's like, ah, screw that, I ain't going back to listening to early shows. This thing sucks as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, when I was nine years old or so, I really wanted to see Critters. I was a huge Gremlins fan, and my cousin, who was about five years older than me, is like, oh, yeah, I just rented it. I was like, awesome, Dad, can I go with him? Sure, go see it. Yeah, it turned out it was Creepers, also known as Phenomena, also known as a Dario Argento movie. So I'm like nine years old, watching this movie about like killer midgets and freaking psycho chimps, Jason, and a girl played by Jennifer Connelly, who can summon bugs to eat people's faces off, also starring Donald Pleasance. 
awesome. Um, <laughs> but it, it, when you're eight or nine years old, you don't know that's awesome. You just know that you want to claw your own eyes out and you're going to have nightmares for the rest of your life. <laughs> Something is coming to eat my face. Yes, yeah, I got yes. it. <laughs> so, uh, so that was my first intro into what I would call for real horror. And then uh, shortly thereafter, because that came out in 1985 as well, I remember he rented this movie. Now, I remember we were like eating, you know, like, I don't know, it was a little Caesars at that point or what it was. It was some kind of chain pizza. And Mm -hmm. they kept making me leave the room and cover my eyes. And it's funny because I can still remember the sound cues. It was at the beginning when they're watching Fright Night and you hear the woman (laughs) screaming, but you literally see nothing as they're pounding steak in. And I remember my cousin, oh, no, no, step out of the room. Oh, you don't want, oh, ah. And then so years later when I finally saw it, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You, That's it? That, they made me relieve the room for that? Yeah, well, no, he was screwing with me is what he said. Yeah, so it turned yeah. out that, that this movie was too much. However, I will say that over the subsequent years, I would see bits of it, and Evil Ed in particular, and then whatever the heck Amy turns into at the end, they it was something, and it's and I guess ultimately the, the poster, which by the way, in my opinion, one of the greatest horror movie posters of the 1980s oh, iconic great yeah. poster and but the the vampire visage that is in the clouds and that i'm assuming is her uh yeah. towards the end of the film and man it's just something i don't know if it's the the mouth being like obviously uh abnormally wide and the the way they clutter all the teeth together uh with evil and of course with his cackle and his voice and everything <laughs> scared the absolute <laughs> bejesus out of me when i was a kid so I actually watched this when it was Netflix streaming several months back. I got like halfway through it. It wasn't that I didn't like it, but I just kept getting distracted by stuff. And I was kind of like, God, this doesn't, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel at the time for whatever reason, like it was really engaging me like it once had. Mm. Um, because another element of this movie that I absolutely freaking love is the horror host thing, uh, which yeah. really bugs me about the remake, which at the point of this coming out, the remake will be at, will be coming out or will have come mm-hmm. out. And, I will maybe have seen it at that point, but I will say in advance, it bothers me that Peter Vincent is no longer a horror host. I am a massive horror host fan. Grew up with Dr. Paul Bearer in the Tampa Bay area, uh, Commander USA's groovy movies on USA. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of like Count Gore Duval, and there's guys still all over the country if you go and check out like the horror host underground, and there's just there's horror hosts doing their thing. Dr. Gang Green in Tennessee, and Halloween Jack in New Jersey, and Professor Griffin in Texas. I mean, there's a but ton of these guys, and I'm sure I'm leaving many people out that I've gotten to know. But the they years. don't use that in the new remake. No, there's no horror host element in the new remake. Uh, apparently, oh. Peter Vincent is like a because it's in Las Vegas for starters. So it almost feels to me like they, are they removing the whole suburban element, which is again one of the odd things that made this movie awesome in my mind is is that whole suburban setting, and it takes place in Vegas. The new one does, and Peter Vincent, I guess, is like a kind of like a Chris Angel magician. Uh. And so of course it turns out he's a fraud. Oh well, really? Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I just I found I just love. Well, first off, how are you going to replace Roddy McDowell? Although I think that you could possibly find what would have been cool to me is like how they now Roddy McDowell really wasn't a big horror actor. He wasn't like Peter Cushing or you know uh, Christopher right. Lee or Vincent Price or all the people they kind of make reference to, but. He still was iconic in sci-fi because of Planet of the Apes and, and some other yeah. things he had done. And I oh, and I really feel like they could if they could get an actor to play that role 
for the remake or had they that maybe was more of a an actor that wasn't doing a whole lot it wasn't like a huge name like right now but maybe had more of a I don't know like a I don't, Robert England might be stretching a bit but somebody like that somebody you would kind of not expect yeah. and they got ended up getting David Tennant which I'm not knocking actually that excited because I was like okay well if you're gonna get like a guy who's kind of like a young Roddy McDowell okay I could I could buy yeah. that um, but it does bother me that they removed the horror host element because that really and truly is one of my favorite parts of this movie is that how they mm. work in that whole Americana horror host element to it. So that being said, watching it this time, I actually really freaking liked it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I could definitely, there were, there were some problems. <laughs> like, let's just start off with the fact, and it was funny, I was thinking this at the time, and then I noticed that even somebody on Internet Movie Database, I think, pointed it out that, why is Charlie's a huge fan of like Peter Vincent loves Fright Night watches all these horror movies why does he go to Evil Ed to ask him about vampires <laughs> like wouldn't yeah. you just like know? he says what do I do and Evil Ed's like first you get some garlic yeah then you get some holy water yeah it's like he's screwing with him crosses it's yeah. like okay wait a second you watch constantly this yeah Hammer B-B- films I'm sure he's yeah. seen Bella Lugosi I mean <laughs> really you don't know this stuff <laughs> Yeah, right. So yeah. Um, that was one hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there was, there was multiple ones. <laughs> and 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 hey, are you proud of me? I didn't make a reference to somebody's filmography when you made that whole comment. That was good. Yeah, good that for me. Good. Um, <laughs> you know what the best part is? We should never and it say means good, hard, yeah, wood steak to drive in him. Yes, yes. He really, he really thrusts that steak. <laughs> into him hey don't mock somebody's career choice what are you doing man oh i'm right. oh no <laughs> no 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 i wouldn't do so <laughs> so let me say first i've not uh, i never watched a lot of the the horror host shows i do know commander usa and i've seen a few and um i know paul bear and a few others and i've seen them but as a kid i never watched them a lot but this movie you were so um, you were so sheltered Freaked me out as a kid. No, this freaked me out. Definitely yeah. the Amanda Beer scene, which will I'll spoil this because we already gave the spoiler alert, so we're free and clear now. Yeah. Um, All bets are off, suckers. Point, yeah, that's right. The gloves are off, baby. At one point, uh Mr. Dandridge, Jerry, the big vampire, seduces her and gets her to come back to the house by hypnotizing her, whatever vampires do, and she becomes a vampire because he bites her on the neck, of course, on this beautiful bearskin rug in front of a fireplace in a white flowing gown and he turns her into a vampire well at one point she comes awake as a vampire and starts to attack them and she has got those she kind of goes from what i would call a subtle vampire to super vampire where uh-huh. subtle vampire she's got the little teeth and Yep. And, you know, her hair's kind of mussed up and then all of a sudden she gets like super evil and she's got this face of teeth it's like her entire face is teeth. That part scared the pee out of me. I had nightmares about that face for a long, yeah. <laughs> for a long time. And one of the things I absolutely love, I going into this, I hadn't seen it in years. Um, it's probably been about maybe ten years since I'd seen it. But going into this, I didn't remember a lot about the subtlety, of the, the the nuances of this movie. But one of the things I absolutely love about this movie is it goes back and forth between this almost campy. House style, yeah. uh, Saturday the Fourteenth style horror flick, yeah. to a really good, like 
uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, horror, I would say like, it's more the, like an American Werewolf in London than those other two. I mean, I get what you're saying with those, but those to but me played. But it's almost like the beginning is like that. Like the beginning is this: Hey, there's a guy moving in, and there's this corny, you know, Roddy McDowell character, and then even Amanda Beers kind of plays this over the top girl. But when it gets serious. Dude, it gets really serious, and there are some really, really good effects in this. I think the best way to put it is those other movies, like even House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some dark moments in it a little bit, but it's sort of like everybody in that movie, re- their characters are, are as much in a comedy as they are in a horror movie. I feel like with Fright Night, yes. all of these characters are in a horror movie. Like, there's nobody that hams it up. or Because even Roddy McDowell, and obviously Evil Ed is way over the top as a character, but <laughs> even then... You just get that sense, like like you said before, he's the outcast. Nobody really likes him. Even his friend Charlie treats him like junk. Um, you know, and there were some issues. Like they never really uh, went in depth with a lot of the character relationships. Like, no, they, like you never no. really, other than Evil Ed just being a plot device to help explain basic information that Charlie, as a horror <laughs> fan, should know. Yeah, right. um, you know, other than things like that. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess what my point being that it just. The atmosphere—it was just very atmospheric, and it and it always took itself, without being taking itself too seriously. It it took itself serious enough that it remained creepy. And if especially like a kid, I think if a kid saw this, it would just give them nightmares forever. But not not really until I'm like the first part of it, the first half, I would say, maybe a little more than half. No, really, right up to the first half. There's nothing really scary about it. Even when, at one point, uh, uh, Larry, uh, or Jerry, I call him Larry because I keep looking at him. I think Larry the Lounge Lizard because he seems like just one of those sleazy guys <laughs> trying to pick up women in a bar. Um, no, Jerry Dandridge, the vampire guy, the main vampire, when he at one point breaks into the house, and this is early on, and warns Charlie that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to get you, even that part wasn't so so scary i mean it was definitely i thought that serious. was i thought yeah i thought it was i actually thought that was very i was surprised how suspenseful that scene was you know yes. it's just that idea of somebody because they really played it off well you know the idea of that entity why well, well first off set up the whole idea that of course you know unless you're charlie and you don't know this you you have to invite a vampire into the owner the 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 actual owner of a house has to invite the vampire in for the vampire to come in which well, we all know from watching the movie Lost Boys. Which, well, then we have to cut Charlie some slack as Lost Boys came out after this. Yeah, I know. So, but the scene where, <laughs> Char- you know, Charlie thinks, oh, I finally got, you know, one up on Dandridge. He can't get into the house, blah, blah, blah. Because we just cut from the scene where genius Charlie had to go ask Evil Ed all these uh, questions. And, <laughs> yes. and, oh, Charlie, what's up? You got, I got somebody you got to meet. Come on down. I love how he's coming down all happy. Like, really, dude? Really? Yeah, because he just nailed his window shut. Yeah. He's got all kinds of stuff in his room. He's all ready. Yeah, yeah it's like, why are you in now? Yeah, yeah, well, and why are you, ha- like, when, as soon as your mom said, I got something to meet, wouldn't you just think, oh, of course, Murphy. Thanks, Murphy. Murphy's a <laughs> lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, okay. What a shock. Yeah. How's that for some irony? So, yeah, he goes down in just that, that great shot where it's that big wingback chair, and you all you see of Jerry Dandridge are his legs kicked out and his hand just holding the side of that that chair, just drumming his fingers, yeah. you know, with his ring, with, with his that ring. ring on, yeah, and yeah. he just he slowly sits up. Hi, Charlie. You know, just great. <laughs> Love that. And, and but it's that build up, and you know, I'll see you soon. I think the other thing with Chris Sarandon is he's one of those guys, you know, who plays you know the dashing, you know, debonair, you know, that you could totally buy the the women swooning over him and all that kind of stuff but there's something <laughs> dangerous about like there's something in his eyes 
you know, there's something about him that is just very kind of under that surface. I buy buy him. But so I actually found that whole sequence, even the build up, the suspense and even the release of, you know, when he kind of goes ape on Charlie in in his room there. You know, you know, I do. But I I see your point that it really gets crazy after that. Yeah. And and it's like it's almost like they build it up to fool you a little because Charlie's character and his girlfriend, Amy, they are kind of the very very stereotypical horror movie kids. Yeah, where they're where they're twenty, where they're horror tw- hosts hey, in the hey, beginning. Jason, 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 you mean stereotypical yeah. in that they're twenty eight years old and they're playing eighteen? <laughs> they're playing teenagers. Yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> this was two years before she started married with children. You realize that, right? I got to tell you, there are several scenes in this movie where she's supposed to be very alluring. At one point, she even takes her top off, and you just see her in her bra. I could not see her in this. Without thinking Marcy Darcy and here from now. Married with Children, I just kept oh, picturing pig. like Steve yeah. or Jefferson. Al Bundy calling her chicken legs. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, yeah, they're very stereotypical, very kind of campy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a funny twist on horror movies. But then the second half of the movie, it, it gets real. And even Evil Ed, who I think in the beginning – Way overacted that and was – didn't I don't know if it was on purpose or what, but very overacted his character, and it was kind of came off just super cheesy. But when he became a vampire, his character was absolutely perfect mm-hmm. as that vampire. Mm-hmm. I loved him as that vampire, mm-hmm. which is my favorite part of this movie, and I think one of the best death scenes in any horror movie – put it on the record, under Jason – one of the best <laughs> death scenes in any horror movie is when – spoiler – Evil Ed gets killed. That has got to be just one of my favorites of all time. Even better gets... than the double uh, spear impaling while people did the uh, uh, bump and uglies in Friday the 13th Part 2? Even better? <sighs> double spear is good, but it was a little over. Well, not double spear. I guess same. spear into two people is what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got the shish the, kebab thing. Yeah, yeah, I remember. The sex kebab. Yeah. The, yeah. the, sh- the sex kebab. Yes, of course. Um. And close to, you know, the arrow through the uh, bed yeah, coming up. Bacon, yeah. But this was drawn out longer. Yeah. This was very – I mean he – basically, Evil Ed changes into a wolf because in this, I guess vampires oh, are yeah, wolves yeah, too. That, you know, they can, they can do that. Yeah, seriously. That, that's one of the part of the myth is that – Yes, she, she, of course. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is, you know, this whole um, twinkle, twinkle little vampire – what is it? Twilight. Uh, whatever crap has just ruined us. Um, well, yes, ruined vampires can't I don't have a teenage. I don't have well. a teenage daughter. I don't watch that crap. <laughs> I don't watch it either, but it's in my house. <laughs> Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> um, yes, but he changes into a wolf, tries to attack Peter Vincent. Peter pierces him with the leg of a table because everybody knows the leg of a table is one of the best wooden stakes to kill vampires with. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes through this metamorphosis back to a human as he's dying, and some of the effects and the makeup are mm-hmm. just awesome. And it's, kind of, the, the, it, it's kind of like American Wolf in London in that it's it's like, yes. but in reverse, it's like the transformation scene in reverse. Yes, yeah, which is one really of my well. favorites. I love the American Werewolf in London scene when he changes, but this one is just like that, very very similar, but fantastic. It was just really good. So um, his character is bad, but the whole second half of this movie is really good good horror and the effects are great um including the finale which is just phenomenal mm-hmm. but um i gotta say one thing that did bother me about this and i haven't seen fright night 2 
Have you seen that? I have. It's been a long time, and I, uh, I, I actually, I, you know, I have the poster from when it was released at the video store. I so have got yeah. to bring that up in my cube. I think it's so awesome. Eighties. <laughs> it's just that white, the stark white, yeah, and all you the see the eyes. eyes and this, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, with the with like the purple eyeliner and yeah, the big fangs and the blood dripping. Oh, yeah. so cool. But at the end of this, I mean, the whole finale is, and I already told you, is that Amy was being changed to a vampire, and they have to kill the main vampire before dawn. Mm-hmm. How do they kill the main vampire? With sunlight. Sunlight. Bright, <laughs> midday, mid-morning. But, but Jason, sun- Jason, this is important, dude. Amy's safe as long as they kill Jerry before dawn. <laughs> so she was safe because it was after dawn. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how they killed him with the sunlight. Yeah, they killed him. Maybe it was a wait, wait, maybe it was a pre-dawn, but very like an Alaskan pre-dawn. You know, like Alaska, oh, oh, like spin. They didn't say what time zone the dawn mm, was in. May, ah, maybe they maybe they were in Alaska. They meant Pacific time. I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. Um, phenomenal movie though. I I actually really loved it. I was I was concerned because I hadn't seen it in so long. And you but knew Peter would I kill you. And you knew Peter would kill you. I knew Peter would kill me. So even if I hated it, I like it, Peter. (laughs) I swear to God, (laughs) we're kidding, Peter. We love you. You know we love you. So, yeah. If you don't ever see any vampire movie, especially Twilight, you gotta watch this movie. This was really, really good. So, okay. Would you like it better than Lost Boys? (sighs) They're different movies. Yeah, they really are different. Even they're different. Yeah, different styles. But overall, I mean, I, I like some of the characters in that in Lost Boys better like some of the way that they played them because mm-hmm. it's, it's a much darker movie um but overall if i had to buy one and only one i would buy fright night mm-hmm. yeah i would think i'd have to buy fright night just because there's some scenes in it that are just beyond amazing like the death scenes are great the effects are great it's yeah yeah and and, and i would buy it just for the poster because the poster's awesome yeah exactly <laughs> only if it came with the poster so yes. and, and 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 you know of course just so i could listen to That never gets <laughs> so yes, on that note, Jason. Uh, uh, his dinner <laughs> in the oven. Do <laughs> you really have to like go and and revert back like <laughs> to being like twelve years old in order to get one's voice to that low? Um, yes. So on that note, Jason, we will go into the six picks because I will also tell you that while I love me some Fright Night, it is not my favorite Tom Holland movie. My favorite Tom Holland really? movie is one of, although I guess you could say it's my favorite that he wrote and directed because technically my favorite he didn't write. Nah, but, yeah. but with that, Jason, would you like to do our six picks? I would love to. Okay. <laughs> then start. <laughs> yeah. So our six picks this evening are going to be focused around the writer-director of Fright Night, Tom Holland, and we're going to feature other movies by Mr. Holland. So I'm going to start with number six, and mine was actually, it's a bit of a cheat, but we've done this before, so I figured I was free. Okay, hold on, Jason. Yeah. Hold on. I totally apologize for interrupting you, because you know I hate doing that. Mm. You remember, <laughs> remember that totally radical connection I was going to make? I could cry. I almost missed it, and I, I, have, to, I have to redeem myself. Go ahead. Okay. William Ragsdale, who played Charlie Brewster? Yep. All right. He was on the TV show Herman's Head. Oh, I remember that yes. movie, yeah. 
Yes, it was. Uh, Jennifer Aniston had a couple uh, parts in it. She 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 was on Herman's head as his little sister at one point, uh, right before she did the landmark Leprechaun. <laughs> and that's the one where the guy had the different all the different parts of his brain. Yeah, yeah, well, his, yeah, his, his, yeah, his his con, his personality. Like you know, one guy right. you know, represented his his lust, and one was his sensitivity. Yep. Yeah, so on and so forth. Yes, yep, yep. It, it was. I remember liking it. I'm sure it's one of those that if I watched it now, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is that is not the point. Though the point is, it also starred a lovely, lovely actress by the name of Jane Sibbett, who is on Friends. Interestingly enough, with Jennifer Aniston. Wow, I just totally pulled that one out of my. Head, Herman's head. <laughs> God, why you don't have a fan club? I just, I just I never don't know. My, no, my one stalker. <laughs> I mean, fan. Yeah, but no. So, here's here's wait. That wasn't the connection though. That was one oh, connection. Oh. I'm not done. Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm not even done yet. <laughs> so the other connection is Miss Civet was in a movie. Now, it bugs me that IMDb has it listed as Shatterbrain, because that is not how I knew it. It is a 1992 adaptation of a H.P. Lovecraft story. Called, the movie is called The Resurrected. Um, it was uh-huh. actually an adaptation of, I believe, the case of Charles Dexter Ward, if I'm not mistaken. However, interesting connection. Ready? Wait for it. Chris <laughs> Sarandon was in it as Charles Dexter Ward. And Jane Sibbett played his wife in that, and she was also in Herman's Head with Williams Ragsdale. Checkmate, my friend. Check. Wow. Mate. <laughs> okay, now continue your six picks. You know, Chris Sarandon was also in one of my favorite movies of all time, Princess Bride. He was Prince Humperdinck. Yes, and I got schooled today with that one because I was like, no, he wouldn't. That was Christopher Guest. <laughs> and you're like, no, That's my dude. one. I want you to know we are on the crest of our 30th episode and my, what, three years of knowing you, and that's the one and only time. Dude, the worst part I've is right, I actually agreed with wrong. you at first. Remember, I was like, yeah, he is. And I was like, wait, no, you're talking about, you're talking about the whole Inigo Montoya. That, that was Christopher Guest, right? And you're like, you go, yeah, no. Then, no. We, then, then we looked it up, and you were right. Yeah. Like I said, that's my one. So anyway, that was a good connection, by the way. I'm impressed with that. Yeah, you are, you. Yeah. Kind of sad. I am because I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. sad. Go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to start with a adaptation, an, an adaptation of uh, Stephen King's The Langoliers, which was, like I said, technically a TV movie or a miniseries. Wasn't really a, a cinema piece, a theater piece, but yeah, that's an um, starring Patricia Wedig and Dean Stockwell, who was one of my favorites from. Remember? Quantum Leap. That's right. I love that show. And he played um, the assistant to Scott Bakula, and he was the one who helped him out. But anyway, it was directed – this movie, The Langoliers, was directed by Tom Holland, obviously written um, – the original novel written by Stephen King. But Tom Holland wrote the, the um, teleplay for it. And it's the story of a an airplane full of people who flying up in the air – explode into pieces and fall to this island where there's a crazy smoke monster and it starts to eat people. But the- oh, That's no weird. That sounds just like a dream I had. <laughs> no. Were they there fly others? Into this big fancy colored lights and most of the people on the plane disappear. Ooh. But there are only a couple of them left. They don't know why. They land at this airport that is absolutely deserted except for... A guy who keeps calling it? a girl named Freckles. 
Killing her freckles. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, and there are these crazy monsters that nobody really sees, but they come out of the bushes and they make this funny <laughs> ticking noise. No, wait, no. Sorry. I keep getting confused when I'm talking about you. No. It is it is a uh, movie. Definitely. Um it's, I'm sorry. It's not my favorite Tom Holland flick. <laughs> we, should, we shouldn't call this six flicks to avoid. <laughs> it is definitely one to see. And yeah. I will say, when we pull out our six picks, not all of them, we say, are the best movies of all time. Oh, no, but we do not. you have to see some of these stinkers to round out your repertoire. Here's what Jason's saying, people. Sometimes you have to taste a turd to know how bad it smells. <laughs> No, I think sometimes you have to taste a turd to know how good foie gras tastes. That's what I'm saying. Oh my God. Yeah, this is um, – yeah, it, it's, a, it's, it's a definitely a TV miniseries. I mean I'll give it that. I can't fault it for being yes, awful. Yes, you can. It is a good novel. The worst part about it though, seriously, is that it had like elements of potential <laughs> – but yeah, and normally I'm the kind of person that if a story is really strong, I'll forgive certain awful CGI effects. But this is like that 90s TV movie, the lowest. It's sort of like this is post Jurassic Park, really, because the effects are yeah. so bad. And when they finally show <laughs> these things, I, I believe, spoiler alert, believe me, you're going to be just crushed. Um, they're like little <laughs> brown Pac-Man looking. Th- I just it was horrible. <laughs> I- Kind of critter-esque. Yeah, Yeah, but not even in a good way. No, no. <laughs> yeah. But, it, you know, it is a TV miniseries, but, you know, it, it, uh, it, it was definitely better as a novel. But it's definitely one you have to see if you haven't seen it. Dean Stockwell's in it. Um, not his best acting job, but um, he plays a decent character. He's a mystery writer in this, so um, he kind of tries to fill in the blanks, and there's a couple of good scenes with it. But anyway, so I'll leave it at that. The Langoliers, 1995. That's number six. Yes. Your turn. <laughs> oh, it is indeed. And my my amazing pick is The Beast Within from 1982. The synopsis is thus. A man and woman walking through the woods, or I can't remember if they're walking or if their car breaks down. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. She's attacked <laughs> by this creature. And I'll say this nicely. It impregnates her <laughs> in a very... <laughs> Graphically disturbing, nice? <laughs> yeah, in a very graphically disturbing kind of way. In a way, only a movie, uh, an exploitation movie from the early eighties, where you're like, "Really, guys? You thought this would be a good idea?" So, or of course, Evil Dead, which has roots to do the same thing. It's sort of like that. It's like it's got that same story, <laughs> yeah. but at least with that, you kind of can. Well, you don't really laugh because it's still disturbing. But it's sort of like you get the vibe, like everybody involved with that movie after the fact kind of felt bad for doing yeah. that scene. Yeah, we should have left that part yeah, out. That yeah, that might have been going a little, you know. But no, this this movie, it's, yeah. Long story short, her son is born, and of course he has this thing dwelling inside him. Um, he begins to go through changes. They somehow manage to cast um, an actor that is about as far removed from looking like, uh, I, I don't even, the movie star's not even, that's, it, it just, he looks like a guy that would be working at like the local Wally World, you know, <laughs> pushing carts around. It's like, is this really? But it did have it. It did have Ronnie Cox in it, and uh, you know, Ronnie Cox, of course, was in RoboCop. And mm-hmm. uh, um, why am I brain farting? And I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. 
Don't look. Don't look. I'm not going to do it. I want to say, oh, God. Was he in, was he in 48? I mean, uh, Beverly Hills Cop? He was in Beverly 48 Hills. 48 Hours? Not 48. No, I think it was Beverly Hills Cop. But he <laughs> was something else specifically where he played the bad guy. He was in RoboCop as a bad guy. I know that. This will mm. be right now. Peter probably going, you're an idiot. Um, okay, I'm cheating. Hold on. Hold on, ladies. I admit, oh, Total Recall. That was the other one. And he was in Deliverance. And he was in Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, I was right. All right, good. Yeah, you. I was right, too. I got two. <laughs> yay, go. Yay, me. Um, okay. Yay. yay. Um, so, yeah, so he was in it. But, uh, yeah, honestly, it's a very disturbing movie. Uh, it also had L.Q. Jones, who directed uh, a Boy and His Dog, which is an early, early early did I, did I say early i'm mainly doing early? that i'm mainly doing that because i couldn't remember don johnson's name and i was trying to remember it. <laughs> that's called a delaying tactic people when you're out your brain ain't working right so yes uh so that was an early don johnson flick that he directed but uh yeah i really don't have a whole lot to say about the movie because i remember again another one i saw when i was inappropriately young to see it um because <laughs> <laughs> the last part of it is really, gr- I mean, it's pretty bloody and I mean, like there's rapes and stuff and, but it's like the last 30, 40 minutes of it, as I recall, are really nasty. Although when doing my mm. research, I was reminded of the world's longest bladder effect transformation scene ever. Just go on YouTube, type in the beast within transformation scene. <laughs> <laughs> and after about two and a half minutes of watching this guy sitting in bed going, holding his fist, going, is these, you know, balloons, yeah, little balloons retract. Going in. <laughs> and you're like, I actually was fast forwarding through. Okay, can we get to a point where he leaps off the bed and kills somebody? Come on. So, yeah. So Tom Holland just wrote this. He did not direct it. It was directed by Philip Mora. Now, I wanted to mention Mr. Mora because <laughs> this son of a gun, he gave us, I mean, honestly, why some of his pictures aren't in the AFI Top 100, I <laughs> haven't a clue. Re- recently, he gave us such classics as Mercenary 2, Thick and Thin. Sounds like it could be in the filmography of someone else, right, Jason? <laughs> yeah. Um, he also gave us Communion. I don't know if you saw that winner. Uh, it was based on the Whitley Stryber uh, novel where you know, he claimed to have been abducted by aliens. And uh, G- Christopher Walken played him in it. It was it was awful. But the two... We need more cowbell. Yeah, yeah we know more cowbell. Yeah, the, <laughs> the two that were my particular favorites, though, were Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, and Howling 3, The Marsupials, both of which I've seen. Howling 3 is especially choice. At least Howling 2 has, like, Sybil Danning going for it. Howling 3, I actually remember... The marsupials? The marsupials, yes. It's, it's Australian. They're like these kind of marsupial uh, werewolf Kangaroo hybrids. werewolves. Yeah. And I remember, like, the main girl, like, she's pregnant. And she kind of does it. She kind of does the a little bit of the Jack Nicholson and Wolf thing where she doesn't completely change. Oh, right. So she kind of, it was just very weird. And I, but I actually remember like recording that off of HBO in the late eighties and liking mm-hmm. it. I'm admitting that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So that was, uh, uh, going, going back to the original point, the beast within, <laughs> I always love to, when I come across a movie that it's like, I got really nothing to say, folks. Um, I try to find as much pointless trivia as I possibly can. So the beast within 1982, check it out one time. Won't you? <laughs> 
Well, all right. So it's my turn, and I'm going to throw a little quick bonus in here since you mentioned um, The Beast Within. Tom Holland also did one called The Stranger Within. Oh, did yeah. Did you ever see that one? Oh, is that it? No, Rick okay, Schroeder. I, oh, no, no, no. I did not see that. I did not. Yeah, I know, I've, heard, I've heard the title, but I didn't see it. Yeah, Rick Schroeder. It also has Chris Randon from Friday Night. Nice. Yeah, um, so a nice little tie in there. But no, I'm not going to do The Stranger with him, but I just thought that, that was interesting to two movies that closely with names. But what I'm going to focus on is The Temp from 1993, starring Timothy Hutton, who plays this executive, ad exec for, wait for it, a cookie company <laughs> <laughs> that hit. His, his administrative assistant, his secretary, goes out on maternity leave, and he has to hire this temp, and it's Lara Flynn Boyle who plays this kind of a This is before she turned who, into a swizzle stick, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. She was uh, yes, she was healthy looking in this. Um, my opinion, just personal, because I'd still love to have her on the show, she was hotter in this uh, than in some of her later work. But When she played uh, Skeletor. <laughs> And there goes that interview. <laughs> yes, when her thighs made the upside-down U-shape on the inside. and yeah, <clears throat> yeah call that the horseshoe. It's how you know so someone's broken in a saddle or two. <laughs> Once or twice. Um, but she plays this kind of crazy psychopath who takes over as the administrative assistant and she seems to be this superwoman like she can do all this crazy stuff that she does the work really fast she seems to anticipate his thoughts and helps Obtains him really progress but strangely enough other executives are dropping off like flies and as he starts to suspect that she may have something to do with it and his assistant comes back she works her way up the chain and this reminds me of like uh, the Crush or what was that other one we were talking about? Oh, it's sort of – it was definitely in that early 90s, Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yeah, Hand That Rocks the uh, Cradle. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of the woman that's psycho who we, it kind of weaves her way into uh, the this inner guy's loper. life. And, it's a, some outside party yeah. that comes at Pacific Heights. Now, that was actually a, a male because it was Michael Keaton. Uh, but right. yeah, yeah – Similar style, yes. and so she's kind of this great. But she actually does a good job at this one, at, at playing that character mm-hmm. in this. Um, it also stars Dwight Schultz, who, if you remember, was Murdoch in the mm-hmm. A Team, one of my favorite TV yeah. shows. And uh, Oliver Platt's also in this. I've oh, mentioned yeah. so. Yes. It's a it's a decent flick from the early nineties. Never got a lot of acclaim. Kind of forgotten. It's not the best. Timothy Hutton definitely. I mean, it's he, he kind of plays this long haired. Kind of he has like the quintessential. Me. I think I actually had that hairstyle. Yes, I actually did have hair at one point. Yes, kind of the Meg. You had hair. <laughs> yes, I did. And I actually, I, my hair wasn't wavy like or curly or whatever his hair was. But I actually think I had that sort of early nineties douche nozzle hairstyle where yeah. it was sort of like the yeah. you know kind of long kind of hang pseudo wanna be yeah, surfer. Sort of, oh god! I actually yeah. remember like pulling it back in a ponytail. Oh. <laughs> I deserved hey, everything that happened. Just let me know. I just won't shave for a week. If I ruin what? A toupee? <laughs> what, you mean your back? Ooh! <laughs> oh. Pick out some magic. <laughs> yeah, The Temp from 1993, uh, directed by Tom Holland. Yes. Your turn. Yes, I, <laughs> my turn. Uh, yes, I will say that I actually have a very major soft spot for early 90s interloper suspense pictures. 
I don't know why. I just like them. Unlawful Entry. There's another one. I love them. I like that one. And I love Hand the Rocks the Cradle. That was a good one, too. Yeah, Hand the Rocks the Cradle. Um, there's one that was actually not, it was more supernatural, but it has the same vibe called The Guardian. Uh, I believe William mm-hmm. Freakin of uh, Exorcist fame directed it. So, yeah, there's definitely mm-hmm. a uh, wide variety. There's sort of like a little subgenre from that time period that uh, I got, got a soft spot for. I'm not yeah, going to lie. I dig it, too. I dig it. Yeah, good, good. And Jason, now my pick is also a Stephen King picture. Uh, Tom Holland obviously got his whatever. Mick Garris and uh, Frank Darabont weren't willing to direct <laughs> Tom stepped up because he directed 1996's Thinner Thinner is of course the story of a man named Jed a poor mountaineer <laughs> who barely kept his Oh wait, his family pet. Oh, sorry yeah. my bad. Yeah no, no. Billy Halleck uh, played by Robert John Burke who was in uh Robocop 3, directed by Fred Decker. By the way, totally pulling this all out of my head. Fred Decker, who directed Monster Squad, the movie that's awesome and better than the Goonies. Second best. And the always awesome Night of the Creeps. Uh, mm. uh, Robert John Burke was in that film as well. <laughs> and he plays in this film, Billy Halleck, a lawyer that is, um, how shall we say, rotund. And as a formerly rotund... Courtney. Yes, as a formerly rotund individual myself, he's a big boy. I can just tell he was very jolly. Yes. No, no, he wasn't jolly. He was kind of a... Yeah, he was a, he, was, he was a total jerk. And yeah. uh, this also stars Joe Montagna. He plays kind of this mafioso type that's involved uh, with uh, Billy because Billy's, you know, a, kind of a crooked, corrupt kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And one night after a celebratory dinner, after getting this, uh, this mafioso off of some charges, I believe is the, the setup... Billy and his wife are driving home and talking about how tense Billy is and when Billy's tense, he eats, etc. So she, uh, this is a PG-13 podcast, so let's just say she <laughs> gives him something else to focus on while he's on the road. Think Parenthood. If you saw Parenthood, the thing that caused Steve Martin to have a wreck. Yeah. And That's a good way to keep yeah, it PG-13. Yes, yes. However, in this movie, instead of hitting a light pole, this guy hits an old gypsy. But that old yeah. gypsy, turns out, she's got... An old, even older daddy who gets really ticked when old Billy Boy gets off with pretty much a slap on the wrist. So he walks up and gives the uh, curse of the title. He wipes his fingers across his cheek and says the words thinner, which don't really mean anything to Billy, until he starts losing weight at an exponential rate and is wasting away to nothing. It's not... I really love Stephen King-based movies. I, I'm mm-hmm. pretty much all of them. I, I even liked like Graveyard Shift. Obviously, I love mm-hmm. a lot of TV movie stuff. I'm a I like Mick Garris, a lot of stuff he's done. I I even like bad Stephen King movies. Langoliers. I, I I'll watch it. Like even <laughs> I back in the going a horrible this. This one I think is kind of like in that mid range. Like I don't think it's as bad as everyone always made it out to be. It's mm-hmm. definitely a little over the top. I mean the way, especially I mean. When Robert John Burke is heavier in the fat suit, he's kind of in the Tim Allen, you know, yeah, the Santa yeah. Claus kind of Santa fat Claus. suit. Yeah, yeah. And it's a really great, you know, makeup effects job. He, he just, he kind of plays the characters almost a caricature. Whereas once he starts to waste away in his real, what he really looks like, and he's really, you know, it's amazing. That Actually, I think it's even more amazing how wasted away in Margaritaville they make him look <laughs> as the movie progresses yeah. and but he really sells that and it's got some pretty dark points in it I mean I suppose if you're you know a gypsy you'll be offended because it doesn't paint them in a good light although one of them is Curry Wurr and if you don't know who she is so um, <laughs> yeah it's a good 
waste of an hour and a half. I would say and at least it's not two hours. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, but it's it's not it's not top tier King adaptation, but it's definitely not like you know bottom of the barrel kind of stuff. So yeah, thinner. Nineteen ninety six. Jason, your next pick. My next pick is uh, one from the eighties, nineteen eighty two to be precise. Class of nineteen eighty four, and this is basically this. It's it's um, written by Tom Holland, uh-huh. uh, but directed by. Mark Lester. Mark Lester. <laughs> M.L. Lester. M.L. Lester. Wow. M.L. Lester. No. Did, <laughs> hey, real quick. Did Who he, was also the director of one of my favorite movies? Cujo? Commando. Did he, do, <laughs> did he do Cujo? Or am I thinking of somebody else? <laughs> um, yes. He, no. No, he didn't do Cujo. He didn't do Cujo? I don't think so. Oh, wait. Yeah, no. I'm not going to look it up, but I don't. You're, you're, looking, you're totally looking it up, aren't you? No, no it, it, not, it wasn't yeah, Mark I really Lester. Don't it wasn't Mark the only Lester. ones I remember in my notes are uh, Commando, obviously, because we talked about that before. Yeah. Um, and a little tie into our next podcast. He did show down a little Tokyo with oh, Dolph Lundgren. Oh, yes. Hint, hint. Yeah. yeah. So um, I won't give away. But anyway, Class of 1984 is the story of this. Futuristic type high school, not futuristic in that there's sci-fi, but like this high school of the apocalypse. It's this the all it's high school the high school health. kids are these yeah drug addicts and they're gang members and they've taken over the school and this is like the worst that the high school could ever be, man. And this is what the future's gonna hold. And this teacher comes in and he's gonna be the savior. And instead of becoming a savior, he kind of kicks ass. So um, it starts. Perry King is like the main. Um, uh, teacher in this, and he's coming in to try and straighten things out. He tries to be nice in the beginning, but it just doesn't work. And um, so he finally kicks it into high gear and starts killing high school kids, I guess. But they were going to kill him first, if that means anything. Um, and then one of his fellow teachers is actually Roddy McDowell. Yeah. So um, he was in this as well. But it's really funny because this movie just. It's, it, I mean, really, at its core, the whole synopsis is this, it's this terrible high school of thugs, and it's gone amok, and he's trying to fix it not in a good way. Uh, but there was a remake or a sequel to this, Class of 1999. Yes. Do you remember that one? Yep. It was basically the flip. It was these teachers were like brought cyborgs. into the school yeah. that were cyborgs, and they go crazy, and it's the poor students who have to survive this one. So it's kind of funny how they make the focus a little different in each one. But, yeah. Um, that was from the 90s. But this one also had a, a, a young Michael J. Fox in it as well. Um, and you, you know, Back to the Future, all that jazz. If you haven't seen it, then turn the podcast off. Um, but uh, <laughs> so it was a class, it was, you know, not so classy kind of road warrior esque drug addict kids taking over a school and yeah. um, as badass as the 1980s thugs can be. <laughs> well, it definitely has the, it definitely has the, the vibe of like uh, the principal. Or like one eight seven with Sam Jackson, you know, meets Death Wish. Like it's definitely got a kind of combo thing going on there. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It kind of has that Death Wish feel to it, you yeah. know, with the uh, from the eighties. But so anyway, class of nineteen eighty four from nineteen eighty two, directed by Mark Emma Lester. <laughs> wow, <laughs> and the humor. Can't sink any lower. Oh yes, it can. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, I was. I was wrong on my. Ste- I I knew he did a Stephen King movie. It was Firestarter. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, Louis that Teague did Cujo, and he also did Cat's Eye. And for all you other horror buffs out there, he did Alligator. 
Ah, very good. Yes, yes. I had to stand corrected on that one. So, the number one pick, and my favorite Tom Holland movie, though he only directed it, he did not write it. 1988's, and you know what it is, people. Come on, you know. Come on, come on. Child's Play. (laughs) Chucky. Yes. Yes, this is a great film starring Catherine Hicks, Chris Sarandon, uh, Alex Vincent as little Andy Barkley, who... Chucky's got a thing for and Brad Dourif fantastically awesome Brad Dourif plays Charles Lee Ray who is the serial (laughs) killer that takes over the body of Chucky now I'm not giving anything away by telling you that Chucky the doll comes alive but it tells the story of a single mom played by Catherine Hicks and her son they're you know just living their life well she wants to get in something special for his birthday in in the prologue of the film, the the cop played by Chris Sarandon chasing down the serial killer, you know, get some shots off. Uh, the mm-hmm. guy's dying. Well, at the last moment, he puts his he using some voodoo magic, I guess, puts his his mojo into this quote unquote good guy doll. Which obviously wasn't that around the time that the my buddy, my buddy, my yeah. buddy, <laughs> my buddy, my buddy and me. That didn't yeah. hurt sales of that doll at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he puts himself in the good guy doll. Well, this the, there's this huge explosion. So I guess you know all the dolls are damaged in like a fire. When when Karen buy that's Karen Barkley the mom. When she buys the doll, she buys it from some guy you know panhandling it in an alley. And you know the box is kind of damaged, but the doll's in decent shape. So she packages up, takes it to her son. Well, yeah, that's a mistake because as it turns out, <laughs> that's the doll that's possessed with said serial killer, and he goes on a killing spree all while trying to get a human body so he can get out of the doll body. The animatronics mm. in this movie are perfection. They're awesome. <laughs> I, I This movie, I, 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 I think I've totally said it before, I have a doll, like a freak out by doll thing, so this movie is ter- is scary to me on so many levels. Although, I find, you know what's messed up? I find him scarier when he looks like just the regular doll. It's, oh, then when he's got the, like the scarred up eye and it, all that. Except for the part, yeah, when he gets really messed up, that doesn't really scare me. But when he looks like just a normal little kid, you know, doll. And, and, but the, the spoil, mild spoiler. But the point where he, when you really first see him change, mm-hmm. oh, that, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's just and just the animatronic. I'm hoping because I've noticed been talk for a, of a while now that Don Mancini, the guy who wrote it, is going to do. I don't know if they're really saying it's a remake. I, I, of course it is, because that's what Hollywood does now. So, but if it, if, I find it interesting, the, the guy that wrote the screenplay doing the remake, that at least intrigues me. Yeah. But what worries me is it's just going to be all CGI. Like, I think it'd be really cool if in this day and age they still did him primarily animatronic. If you want to use CGI yeah. for longer shots and, and stuff like that, or certain things, it would be just next to impossible to get an animatronic but doll. But the whole point is he's supposed to be a, a doll or a puppet-like. So the more they make him look puppet-like, I think the better it is. I agree with that, except that that's not how they think. And, for instance, the Short yeah. Circuit remake, there's talk that that's just going to be all CGI. Oh, man. Yeah, they're going to Johnny CGI. number five. going to be CGI. He's going to be a cartoon character. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yes, Child's Play, a horror classic, 1988, my number one pick. And uh, with that, Jason, would you like to bust out the old voicemail line? Absolutely. Give us a call anytime, 206-203-0491, the Forgotten Flicks feedback line, most especially if if you're a member of the JFFL. (laughs) Give us a call. Let us know what you think about movies we talked about or we'll be talking about. 
Yes. And you can also visit us at ForgottenFlicks.com. We always got some fun shenanigans going on over there. You can follow Jason at Twitter at FlixSidekick, or you can follow me, if you dare, at ForgottenFlicks. And uh, what else am I? Oh, ah, ah, Facebook. Yeah, the Facebook page that I have yet to put the last two podcast episodes on. (laughs) (laughs) I stink. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. So, yes, we do have a Facebook page if you'd like to check that out. And Mm -hmm. we also, I feel like I'm forgetting something, the iTunes. Yes, if you would like to go to iTunes and uh, Mm -hmm. download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. It's all good. We love it all. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm going to... website. Yeah, I'm I'm going to hold off because I think I, I we'll we'll just tease the folks with the idea that there's you will have the opportunity very soon to determine what movie Jason and I review for a big fall season event that we will be putting on here at Forgotten Flux. Dun, dun, dun. So, but that will be coming up soon, and probably the next podcast I'll go ahead and tell them it's when it's going to be up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But um, do you want to give them a sneak peek for what uh, our 1980s cheese ball double feature special oh, our yes. 30th episode jason the big 3-0 <laughs> for our big 3-0 yes you heard it here first we will be doing a where, where double else, where else feature would they, jason, for the first jason, time jason where else yes. would they hear it you said they'll hear it here first they heard it here first yeah they'll hear it here first they oh. heard it here through us besides all the media outlets that are listening to oh, us we'll repost this yeah. as soon as we're done with the podcast oh that's true yeah yeah. You have to listen to us first. A double feature for the first time since Deep Star 6 and Leviathan. We will be doing Masters of the Universe and oh, Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. Oh. Yes, that's right. Cinema classics. Oh, so give us a call. God. Let us know what you think of those movies, and you can't miss it. <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to hurt people. We're not going to have six picks of that one, mainly because we'll spend the first 10 minutes no. talking about those movies and the last 50 <laughs> retching. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Actually, I can't say that Masters of the Universe I have not seen literally since the 80s. Garbage Book Kids I saw about seven or eight years ago. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So we'll see how this that is goes. Gonna be, it's just going to be awesomeness. It's going to be total awesome sauce. Oh, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's going to be something. <laughs> Same kind of awesome sauce you would have found in Stephen Jeffrey's IMDb filmography, <laughs> say, around 1996 or 97. Actually, I think that was one of his movies from 1994. Awesome sauce. Right? No. <laughs> nice. Well played, sir. Oh, Stephen, we kid. Come on, buddy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, anyway, on that note, Jason, any final words? Any? Uh, um, uh... Mm-hmm. Dinner's <laughs> in the oven. <laughs> oh,